Does traditional employer brand measurement still work? Sure, things like retention rates and cost of hire matter, but more often than not, these data points are not solely based on your employer brand. So how do you actually measure your employer brand? More importantly, how do you measure if the strategies you have put in place to improve your employer brand have worked? This is where the employer brand index comes in. It analyzes what your employees, candidates, and alumni are saying about your company and quantifies these findings into a single number indicating what areas work and which don't. Want to learn more? Go to employerbrandindex.co. Hey, son, Svesan, it's Jorgen Sundberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast by Link Humans, London's employer branding agency. Today, we're talking to an American multinational technology company out of Texas. We're going to learn how they establish the employer brand function, how they work to attract and retain the right talents, and how it's all managed on a global scale. Let's start the show. Jennifer Newell, how are you doing? I am excellent. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So who are you and uh, what do you do? I'm Jennifer Newbell. I lead our global employment brand and recruitment marketing team over here at Dell. And we are now a part of Dell Technologies, which of course we can talk about a little bit. Uh, um, we've gone through a lot of um, fun changes over here at the organization. And um, that's just a little bit about me. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's delve into that. What's Dell Technologies? So um, about 18 months ago, Michael Dell and his partners, Silver Lake Partners, acquired uh, EMC. So it was mm. the world's largest technology merger. Um, I'm sure at some point there will be another one that's much bigger, right? Um, but at the time, it was the largest tech merger. And EMC uh, combined with Dell. And as a part of that process, they brought what um, EMC used to call their federated companies over to us. So we are now... Um, um, underneath this umbrella called Dell Technologies, and we are end-to-end technical solutions for everything from small business all the way up to huge, large enterprise organizations. So our brands would be Dell, which is kind of how people think of when they think of our consumer brand, mm-hmm. Dell EMC, uh, Vertistream, RSA, VMware. So a lot of yep. people are really uh, familiar with that brand and uh, SecureWorks and Pivotal. So there's actually seven different brands and organizations that fall under Dell Technologies. Wow. Okay. So your job got bigger when the merger happened. It did. Um, well, it got more complicated and a little bit bigger. So where my team fits squarely in is Dell and Dell EMC, um, which is a kind of a part of Dell Inc. This is where it starts to get really complicated from a yes. brand architecture standpoint. And then we sort of talk about Dell Technologies from an employment brand standpoint. The The challenge is we don't really hire many people under Dell Technologies. It's more of a holding company, mm-hmm. although there are very uh, high-level account leads and salespeople that understand the depth and breadth of all of the brands and technologies that come along with it. So there is some level of Dell Technologies, but it's mostly Dell and Dell EMC, which comprise Dell Inc. Okay. So for the, yeah. for the, <laughs> the entire company, how many employees do you have? There is over 130,000 employees worldwide. Wow. And what's the distribution of that um, in terms of regions and countries? 
Goodness, I would say that North America is still technically the largest, but we have um, fairly even distribution in large um, places like India. We have a really large group in China, um, Europe. We're kind of scattered. I know you're in Europe all over um, uh, Europe, UK, Ireland are two pretty big places for us. Germany, France, Latin America, we're kind of everywhere. But I would say about 40% of the 100% of our employees are North America. So, so it is definitely kind of the biggest region. Great. Okay. And uh, the people inside the business, how do you think they describe what it's like to work there? I would think that um, people within our organization would say it's, um, you know, we're encouraged to innovate and come up with new ideas. And I know that's a buzzword that, that's used a lot, but our founder of our company um, is the ultimate entrepreneur and he is still our CEO and he still runs the organization day to day. And so that spirit is absolutely a part of our organization. We kind of t refer to it as like calculated risk-taking. So when I talk to people that are in similar roles of, as mine outside of the organization, they're like, wow, you do that? It's a little bit of a ask for forgiveness later kind of mentality where you try something and if, if it doesn't work and you know, you just try something new and, and failure is acceptable to a certain degree and you can't get better and you can't improve until you, you try something out. I would also say our organization is really about putting our customers first. We have internal customers, we have external customers, so you can define the customer very broadly. I define my customers as candidates, right? And my team as, as candidates, but we also support our recruiters worldwide. Um, so it's very much about putting yourself, empathizing with your customer and your end user, putting yourself in their shoes and saying, that's not a good experience or that's a, a really negative process. Let's kind of break that apart and fix it. And then I would also say we're very process oriented. We're really about finding efficiencies and removing barriers to getting things done. Great. Okay. Yeah. And, and what was your story to, um, to joining the company and uh, what keeps you there? Okay, so I joined the company in 2003. So in September of this year, it'll be 15 years. And I joined the organization because I wanted a career opportunities. I had gone from small company to small company to small company. And when you're the only person running recruiting and, and one of three people in HR, there's really not a lot of places for you to go. Now, granted, the breadth of what you're working on is really broad, but there is just absolute chaos. So I was like, I want to grow a career where there's some level of structure and um, structure is a good thing and can be a good thing. Um, and we use structure to our advantage, right? It's not um, something that that defines us to the point where we can't take those calculated risks. Um, so that's why I joined the company. What keeps me here is, as I've told you, there's always challenges. There's always something new. I never get bored. Um, this place keeps me on my toes. I'll just, I'll say that, right? Um, and, I, and I think that that's something that pretty much all of our employees would tell us that there's, there's new challenges every corner that you turn around. We've acquired companies at times, um, over 30 companies, I believe, in the last 10 to 15 years. We've also merged with companies. We went private in 2013. I mean, really, I just can't stress enough that it's it's just a very dynamic place to work. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about challenges. What uh, specifically are you challenged with around talent? Is it is it hard to attract um, people, I would candidates? Say 
You know, we're um, the challenge couple things. So one of the challenges is in this market today, which is, you know, really the candidates kind of got the reins, um, which is a good thing. I I like it when the market is in is in that place because I've seen it the other way around. Um, Smaller, you know, kind of sexy tech companies are actually kind of keeping the larger, more mature um, tech companies on our toes when it comes to attracting talent. And, you know, so I would say with more of kind of those university hires, um, I don't even know if it's a Google or Facebook anymore. There's so many other smaller, really interesting technologies that are coming out. Do they um, know the opportunities at Dell? Do they know the seven brands and, you know, what we're doing in cybersecurity and what we're doing with app apps and what we're doing with software? Um, So it's kind of getting that message out there and really being competitive with some of those other tech companies. It's there's just a lot of tech and it's really saturated and it's really noisy. Um, and then just trying to differentiate ourselves. And I know that that we'll probably touch on that um, a little bit more in the conversation. That's a challenge as well. And then, of course, I'd mentioned cybersecurity as an example. They're not dime a dozen. There's only so many, you know, really strong data scientists and cybersecurity engineers. So it's some of those niche roles. Um, we have a really strong direct sourcing model at Dell. And so that's typically the direct sourcers are where we find that kind of niche talent. So my team and I focus on more kind of the volume, the brand awareness, and kind of getting people hopefully into that funnel or interested. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. So if we rewind a bit, little bit, so 15 years ago, when you came into the company, was there an employment brand team in place? Or did you no. build it from the ground up? And no, it was the story. I've built it from the ground up with, of course, the support of my manager and our senior vice president for global recruiting, um, who are both really savvy and really excited about what we're doing in employer brand. So the, the, the short story is in 2010, after our um, acquisition and merger with Perot Systems, which to that date was our largest acquisition. It was about 25,000 employees globally, um, really tested our HR and financial teams, um, you know, kind of to the to the hilt, so to speak, because that, that was a big deal for us. We had acquired a lot of smaller companies, but we'd never done that before. We decided kind of through that process that we needed to have more global organization and structure for a lot of our teams. Our HR team was not there yet. So we migrated to a global function, our senior vice president of recruiting was um, you know, put in her place in her role. She's still in her role today. She's amazing. She's actually not in the U.S. She's in Ireland. And then the COE, so our center of excellence for recruiting, was formed at that time. And that's when I think really things from a recruitment, marketing, and employment branding uh, standpoint really started to take off. I raised my hand candidly. I said, ooh, I have a background in recruiting. I've also done project management and I've done HR ops. So I think that this would be an interesting um, place for me. And little did I know where I would be, you know, almost eight years later. Wow. Okay. And uh, what's uh, what's the makeup of the team now and how is it distributed and how do you uh, keep it all together? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know how I keep it all together. That's maybe, <laughs> the <team laughs> that's maybe another discussion. <laughs> exactly. But um, so I have a lot of support from my leadership. So that's one way I keep it together. But we have steadily grown the team from a team of one. So I was a team of one for about a full 12 months or so. And then I realized I need somebody with web expertise because one of the commitments we've made on our team is somebody that can um, actually change digital properties and do so for all of our digital properties 
globally. And so um, we hired a second person at that time. That was like 2011. And then the team started to grow from that point. Where we really expanded is this commitment to a regional model where we have employment brand and social media leads that support the recruiting teams and the business teams needs within the region. So some some people have different models. Ours is regional. And then we talk about things related to our EVP and our culture code, as well as support um, ongoing high volume hiring, such as sales. So those are kind of the two areas, um, which is a lot, by the way, that we focus on. So we have a social media brand engagement lead supporting North America supporting Latin America, supporting Europe, supporting India, and supporting both greater China and Asia. Those are technically two regions from an HR perspective. So um, she has her hands full. Absolutely. And the Latin America lead is Dahlia Rodriguez, I believe, who was on this podcast uh, last year. Yes, she's awesome. She's been on the team for, I think, over five years now. So in terms of just expertise when it comes to content creation and how to engage employees within your region and create advocates and really kind of testing the waters around creating content that's not in English, um, she's, uh, she's the real deal. She's really proven that within Latin America. We have I believe, I'll be careful about how I say this, but I believe the highest engagement um, in particular on Facebook is Brazil for Dell. It's not North America. It's not India. We have very high engagement on um, with India, especially on Twitter. But for Brazil, and that's you know due in large part to, to Dolly and the work she does with our team in Brazil. Oh, yes. I do remember her mentioning that. Yep. And, uh, and I believe it was, it was all organic as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, feel free to uh, tune into that episode from back catalogue. Uh, right. So you mentioned the EVP and the culture code there. What um, mm-hmm. Can you give us uh, an idea of what, what this looks like and how it's presented to, to candidates and even to current employees? Absolutely. So our culture code is, so when Dell and EMC started to to combine and come together as as one organization, we actually surveyed a very large number of employees within both organizations, respectively. This was even prior to the actual final announcement of our merger. Um, And we asked, what are the things that you think we as an organization have to value and have to to do in order to be successful. And we actually asked members um, within both organizations and we gave them a whole list of values. So our culture code are our values and we asked them to stack rank, right? Most important to least important. And of course, I'm sure Mm -hmm. there are all things that are all important. And what was interesting is not only did both organizations um, across the board come back with the same top five, they were in the same order. The wow. same top five order. So we knew that as we came together as an organization, there's going to be Storman and Norman when you bring together, you know, um, 130,000 people. But we knew that at least we valued the same things. I had mentioned putting our customer first. Mm-hmm. So that's something we value. We cannot succeed without our customers, right? And I, I, I think most organizations... Um, understand that. But this is something that is so mapped to our DNA. Michael Dell, after 30, gosh, almost 35 years, still meets with customers. He travels all over the world and still meets with customers. And there's a lot of people are like, oh, he's not just kind of sitting back in a in an office. No, that man has energy that I don't even, I can't even relate to. It's amazing. <laughs> and so he walks the walk and talks the talk. And if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see photos of him with customers and partners all the time. 
it, it's just, it's a relentless thing that um, is just a part of who we are. The other aspects are um, winning together. So we've realized over the years that we can't serve our customers and we can't be successful without collaboration. Our whole workforce is designed around collaboration, right? We have our voice over IP and we have our you know, cameras and our computers and we can kind of work anywhere and everywhere. I work from home. My whole team is remote right? Um, we're, we're near Dell offices and we go in and we see people and, you know, we're not isolated, but um, collaboration and being able to do it with great technology is a cornerstone of, of what we do and how we do it. Um, acting with integrity, we've been on the top most ethical companies for five years in a row and it's by design. It's, it's we don't tolerate unethical behavior at one iota. Um, and then we also um, value, we, we put a, a high value on results, um, accountability. So when you say you're going to do something, you do it, right? Um, and and we'll, we'll kind of, I, I wouldn't say we call people under the carpet, but it's, a, it's appropriate to say, hey, you said you were going to deliver on this. What's the status? What's going on? And we do that with peers. We do that with our own leaders. Uh, we do it with people that report to us. Again, we can't be successful unless we value kind of driving for those results. And then finally, I talked about that innovation, that entrepreneurial spirit. Again, Michael embodies that in everything he does. And it's like failure is okay as long as you learn something and you move away from it and you improve and you take steps uh, away from that. I, you know, refer to the culture code and our values on my team all the time. I encourage innovation and trying new things and what's the worst that could happen? Okay, this content or this post doesn't do well or somebody's got a snarky comment. Okay, well, let's let's rethink about this type of content if it bothers somebody, right? Let's just get mm-hmm. smarter every day. So hopefully that helps explain, um, you know, how we, we look at our values and how we sort of drive together as teams to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in, the, in the interest of uh, transparency and, and improvement, what would be some of the um, areas that Dell are working on where you think you could be even stronger in terms of employee brand? In, in terms of employee brand. So, you know, where I'm really focusing my time, we're really strong in content. Mm. I feel like we're a content machine. We create content with our employees. We have employee advocacy. We have training for employees. A lot of other companies have this. We've had this for almost a decade. So it's like we we get that. Everybody's bought in. Executives sponsor it. We like that. For employment branding specifically, I'd like to see better measurement of ROI for mm. our campaigns. Um, so we're creating the content. We're posting it what's happening as a result of that. We're starting to make a lot of progress in this area. I'm really excited about it. But are we kind of, quote, there yet? Um, no, we're not there yet. And there's um, a number of things that we're doing to to get ourselves there. But I would think that, uh, that employer brand side, and this is the way I, I model it in my mind, the employer brand side, the messaging, the tone, the imagery, the content, you know, the blogs, the videos, I feel really good about. It's more that recruitment marketing and sort of measuring how we're att- actually attracting people clicking apply is is where we're focused on. Yeah. I mean, um, what, what are your top metrics at the moment and what do you think you will look into in the future? We're actually looking all the way down to individual content posts, which is maybe a little crazy, but we're really experimenting with what content works well with what audience in what market. And so we're getting pretty granular about it. This is where having a global team 
and an individual that supports each region comes in handy. If I had one person managing social globally for Dell's employer brand, it would just wouldn't be possible, right? Mm-hmm. So a good example would be in our European markets. Um, we are creating content, which this is content we're already creating. We are targeting and posting on LinkedIn, um, very specific people, in particular sales. Again, sales is is a function that I would bring up repeatedly. We're always looking for technical sales, inside sales, account executives. And we're able to target within very specific markets, let's say Norway. So I actually got an email from the Europe, Middle East, Africa, employment brand and social media lead today that said, hey, we got two more hires from this uh, this targeting that we're doing on LinkedIn. We're spending maybe two to five hundred dollars. So if you get two hires, it's a couple hundred bucks cost per hire. So it's really starting to become fruitful, especially in those markets where you have maybe more than 5 million, but less than 10 million population. That's kind of that sweet spot for targeting using a tool like LinkedIn. Whereas in Brazil, we're actually able to create a piece of content. It's in Portuguese, of course. We're maybe doing some targeting. Um, Maybe not just because our employees in Brazil are helping us even with organic content tremendously. And we're able to see when they click on that link, go back and and monitor, well, how many of these people were, were interviewed and hired? So we're tracking all the way to that level and just getting smarter and smarter and smarter where it can hopefully be very sustainable and easy to manage. Very interesting. So how many, if you know this, how many touch points does the average candidate have with Dell's content before they apply it? And what's normally like the, the one that makes their mind up? Oh, gee. Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think we're going to be able to answer that very soon. We work with an organization called TMP Worldwide. That's mm-hmm. a very well organization. Um, so hopefully most of your listeners are familiar with them. And we're going to be launching their metrics management um, platform. So it's an extension of Talent Brew. We've had Talent Brew since 2011. This is where we're actually going to be able to see more of the influence and more of the journey for our candidates. And we're going to be able to then best say, we know Glassdoor is an influencer. We know it is. And we actually see it as a source of hire. We get candidates from Glassdoor. We do. I think we'll be able to have a more robust picture once once we launch that metrics management. Got it. Okay. So if we look at uh, different channels that you do get candidates and hires from, what uh, what are the best ones uh, and which ones will you be putting more investment into over the next 12 months? Yeah. So I would say um, most of our internal um, or most of our requisitions are filled, I, w- I wouldn't say most, I would say 40%. Uh, approximately of our requisitions are filled with internals. So kind of putting that aside, um, which I we're really proud of, right? We have a lot of internal movement, lots of opportunities for employees. And you take that re- remaining amount, um, referrals is our top. And it's something we're really passionate about. I was just emailing with people this morning about a question about our referral policy and, and how do we manage that? So it's, it's, it's a living, breathing, dynamic policy process program, right? You don't just throw something out there and go, good luck, because that doesn't work. Um, a direct sourcing, we actually get quite a bit of um, candidates in a number of our markets, Europe being one of them, North America through direct sourcing. And then I would say, you know, close to that would be LinkedIn. The last time I looked, I I saw that Glassdoor was like number four on our external um, source of hire. So again, I bring up Glassdoor again. I remember when Glassdoor was just a blip on the screen and it really has kind of proven to us that it's, it's a part of that candidate journey. 
Interesting. Okay. All right. And uh, looking in terms of your activation, um, you've mentioned a few examples already, but are there any specific initiatives that uh, you'd like to highlight for our listeners? In terms of our activation? Yeah. Recruitment marketing campaigns or employer brand campaigns. Yeah. So one of the things we're doing is we had a campaign, we had a global campaign um, a a few years ago called Bring Everything. Mm -hmm. We loved that campaign. It was great. It was our first real campaign that we created exclusively internal. So we don't work with a third party. uh, We don't work with third parties for um, campaigns and employment brand. We work hand in hand um, and lockstep with our internal brand team. There's um, actually a creative agency within Dell. And so we were really proud of that campaign. And it was around for about four years. And the idea of bring everything was bring everything that you are as a whole person, both professional and personal every day. And, you know, it really spoke to um, diversity and inclusion within our organization. What, what missed in that campaign, and if I could go back in time and change it, was we use stock imagery. And we bought a lot of images and we really uh, we struggled over the right images to pick because we had pictures of people doing yoga. We had pictures of people running and, and riding their bike and showing. And then we had pictures in a work type environment. Right. So this idea of these variety of pictures showing this whole person. And it was um, not very manageable. And it was clear when you looked at it that it was, it was stock imagery. At least it was clear to me, right? Mm. Um, so we've, we're migrating away from sort of this, this campaign of stock images and creating um, a toolkit of, of pictures of our own employees. And we've been work. We've been migrating in that direction actually for quite some time. We didn't really use stock images on social um, that often, but it was more kind of around our career site or around um, print assets where maybe they weren't as dynamic. We are now over the course of this year getting completely away from stock images. So we're going to tie into that culture code and our values, and we'll talk about individual people and how they represent a value within our organization. And as a part of our culture code, we also have seven leadership principles. So we really want to talk about those leadership principles more and what they mean. So for example, one of our leadership principles is humility. And another is vision. And we've also found out that leaders that exemplify and are exceptional at humility and vision, specifically speaking, those are, that's the reason why I brought them up. They have employees on their teams that are more engaged and have a higher employee net promoter score. So it's worth talking about. It's not just a stock image and an idea saying, hey, this is really great. You want to work here. It's more, this is, this is something that really is a part of our organization and our culture. Great. I'm just interested as well. So if let's say you're replacing stock imagery with pictures, photos of real employees. Yeah. How do you go about doing that tactically? Do you uh, go around offices with a photographer and um, some release forms or what is it? Um, events, you take pictures, what happens? So yeah. So right now what we're doing in partnership with our internal communications team is we just closed a contest. We had like a three-week contest mm-hmm. and we hadn't really done a big global um, photo contest before. Although we've done some fun contests around like internal only videos and things like that that have that have worked really well. And we have 130,000 employees and some of them have some mad photography skills. We've actually seen a preview of some of these photos as they're coming in. And we do have in our 
employee contracts that, you know, your likeness will be used as a member of, of our organization. So we've kind of covered that in um, our offer letters when people join the company. But we also have a tracking mechanism. We just use Smartsheet. It's like, how easy is Smartsheet? We love it. Where people can go in, they fill out a super simple Smartsheet form, and they upload their photos there. And there's a way for them to, to click that they authorize the use of their photo. Because we did tell them, this photo contest is internal and external. Mm. And we put that in all the promotional um, materials as well. So what we're trying to do is sort of break down silos. Why would internal comms work on a photo contest for photos that could just be used internally? How dumb is that, right? <laughs> so when we part, when we reached out to them, they reached out to us. We've kind of been um, partnering back and forth, and we suggested this idea of using them externally as well. They couldn't be more pleased. They're like, "That's fantastic! That's really exciting." Um, so it, it, it was pr- mechanically, I would say, it was pretty straightforward promoting the contest and making sure all 130,000 employees heard about it. That's actually the challenge. You know, the mechanics of a contest and uploading photos and judging photos and, and stuff, I don't think I have any secret sauce, but it's really around promoting, promoting with our Dell champions, employing, uh, you know, promoting with our affinity circles, our employee um, resource groups, people that we know that are likely to be engaged and to be excited and to, you know, capture photos. So there actually are employees taking the pictures. Now, in the past, we have worked with third parties that have um, come in and taken some spectacular photos. It's very expensive. Um, so just because we're a big tech company doesn't mean we just like to throw money away. And if you have employees that have great skills and can take video and photo, why not capitalize on that? Absolutely. And it, yeah, it leads to more engagement as well. And it's a bit of fun for sure. And oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned the uh, smart sheets, was it? Um, so what other pieces of technology can you not live without in an, an employer brand sense? Pieces of technology. Um, well, we just migrated to Workday. So that's been um, very exciting for us. I talked about Talent Brew before. Yep. We're doing um, a lot of upgrades and really exciting things with um, with our Talent Brew instance. We're actually going to create a multi-branded Talent Brew instance that would have all of those Dell Technologies brands that I described to you. Because when you describe it over the phone, it's like, wow, seven brands. What do you mean? When you see it visually on a digital property, I think it'll be easier for our candidates to engage with those. Um, and then also our, our CRM, and we're making some updates. Our CRM is Avature as to how we tag people and those categories that we use. I think uh, it's very easy to roll out a CRM to a recruiting group, whether they're 500 people like we are, or they're 50 people like other companies and say, here, you know, this is how it works. And this is how you tag tag people and it can go kind of kind of crazy and out of control. So we're putting a little bit more rigor around that so that it's more useful for us. Great. Okay. So I want to ask you your top tips for uh, employee brand managers. But before you answer that one, I first want to know uh, of a, a hard lesson that you've learned that uh, we, uh, us, the uh, listeners here, should try and avoid. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go back to that um, campaign that I was describing to you before, bring everything, bring everything you are, um, we sort of created that campaign and what I would describe as a little bit of a vacuum. So what we did is we had three different 
um, ideas and concepts that we shared with our teams around the world. And we all kind of voted on it. So it was very democratic and our, our you know, um, recruiting leaders and individuals in the different regions got to see it. But then we, we said, okay, this is the idea. And we created a copy bank and rolled the copy bank out. And what happened was some of the copy didn't translate well. And this is actually a story I've told a couple of times before. If you try to translate, bring everything you are in, in Portuguese, it's, um, I think the word that was, was shared with me is it's nonsensical. So our recruiting leader in Brazil said, I can't translate this copy and put it on a billboard. It sounds stupid. <laughs> mm. And so I was like, you're right. It probably does sound stupid. So um, really taking a different approach to the copy and how you circulate the spirit of the campaign and creating copy within all the regions that make sense for that culture and that language is a better model than creating copy and then pushing it out to the regions. It's something, honestly, a lot of companies are guilty of, and I still see happen in pockets at our organization um, with different projects. And I always ask, okay, this is really cool. And I like this. Are you translating this? What are you going to do in regions outside of English speaking locations? <laughs> and um, people always kind of sigh and roll their eyes, but it's, it, it's a, it's a value or a global company. Um, 60% give or take of our employees are outside the U S right. So you have to think about that. That's really interesting because uh, we have um, uh, well a client in Germany and another one in Italy who insist on only doing employee brand taglines and and um, slogans so on only in in the English language and that's the yeah. only language they can use globally. Uh, so they they're not that sensitive to uh, sticking to one language because it's not their language. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess when you're American or British, you can't really get away with that, can you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, you know, the argument for that is, well, all of our, um, you know, that's the international business language. And, you know, pretty much all of our employees have some comfort level with English. But again, if you go to a market like Japan, it just really doesn't work. It, gotcha. it doesn't. And so you have to be sensitive to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are your top tips for employer brand managers listening to this right now? I would say, you know, um, experiment. And you, nobody knows everything about this space. I know I certainly don't. And hopefully you are in an environment like I am where you're encouraged and given the flexibility to experiment and to learn. And and it's okay to make a mistake. Um, it's it, Mistakes on social in particular are great. Look how much we learn about the human condition and what people like and don't like by a, a social mistake. I mean, some of the, the best learnings for me are what other companies do. And I think, well, okay, people are sensitive to that. Don't, don't do that. Um, the, the other I would say is, you know, never stop the self-promotion around what your team does and, and how you do it and the value you add to your organization. I've roadshowed with business leaders and on many occasions and talked about our talent insights and talked about our content and talk about how we measure it and what the value is that we're seeing with our candidates in the marketplace. And people are actually really interested in what we do and they're really interested in the topic. So don't just sit at your cube and go, God, nobody likes me. I can't get marketing to play with me. Get out there and be bold and share your story. Um, the other would be if you're finding people 
um, don't really like your approach or your tactics to working with you, take a different tactic, take a different approach. I found it's really helpful to get with the team. And so just tell me about what your team does and, and what's important to you and what you value. And, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about my team. And then you'll have a conversation and it starts to get really comfortable. And then you'll say, so I'm hearing these are your objectives. I'm hearing you want to engage our employees and you want them to be a part of our Dell story. This is an example with like internal comms. Well, that's interesting because we want to engage our employees too. So how can we come together and rather than five people on your team and seven on mine, we can have the power of 12 and sort of help each other with this, this storytelling. Um, that's much better than going to internal comms and go, why don't you help share our content? Like that, that just doesn't, that doesn't work. And I feel like that's the tactic that some people have taken. And then they kind of throw a temper tantrum that other um, business units and teams aren't listening to them or quote, don't understand their needs. It's, it's the approach that you're taking that's not working. Got it. And just out of interest, do you find that uh, the term employer branding or employment branding, do you, do you, do you feel that people in, in, in an organization, do they get what it's all about? Or do you have to change the terminology slightly? Sometimes. They get it when you explain it to them. Mm. They absolutely get it. If you tell them my team and I are responsible for attracting candidates to our organization, engaging with them through their entire journey of considering Dell as a place to work, then they get it. They're like, oh, so you're like marketing and HR. Yep. Exactly. It, it, you don't have to do a lot of work. I mean, it's just really in how you present it to them. And actually, if you present it more simply... And in that way, as opposed to making it more complex, oh, we manage our digital properties and we're on social media. And well, you're on social media. How is that different from our social media team? <laughs> if you just say it that way, you know, like like you're trying to to connect with our external cu customers, we're trying to connect with our external candidates. And by the way, candidates and customers sometimes are the same people. So that's why we want to partner with you and be lockstep. They really get it. We haven't had a lot of pushback around our employment brand story. As a matter of fact, I have people tell us all the time, your team's so cool. We love what you do. It's a little bit of a love fest over here. It's not perfect. It's not. You know, we've had our, our roadblocks and we've had our challenges, but it's, it's actually been a really good journey for us. Fantastic. Okay. So if we look uh, beyond Dell, what other employer brands out there inspire you? Um, I like what AT&T does, and I know some of the people over the employment brand team over there, and I like how they have their regular Friday um, social check-ins with their candidates. I know they've done some live chats on Twitter, and they do something on Facebook. I like that there's structure and there's cadence. I really like what they've done around candidate experience. Um, there's opportunity for us um, at Dell to be candid, and I, I really uh, admire some of the commitments that they've made to candidate because it, it requires a commitment. Um, I like what Cisco does on social, and they have a great, um, you know, Instagram. Uh, we are Cisco, I believe, is their tagline. Um, and the team over there, we we know some of the folks over there, um, Carmen, mm -hmm. for example, who leads that team. Um, they 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 they're authentic and they have fun, and we try to do the same thing. So we're sort of similar um, in that vein. So. Definitely would say the two of them. The other category, let's kind of get away from telecom and technology, is I'm really in admiration of some of the consumer products companies and some of the risk-taking and innovation they're doing. Unilever, L'Oreal, Johnson & Johnson. I mean, Johnson & Johnson has somebody that's like a director of candidate experience. I mean, they're making big commitments to that candidate experience and to um, the technology and the platforms that they're using. 
And it's just kind of cool that they're they're not really tech companies, but they're techie. They're techie consumer product companies. So I just I just think they're really cool. Yeah, fantastic. And I should mention as well that Carmen Collins was on this podcast last year talking Yay. about where Cisco is specifically around Snapchat. I think it was that time. But yes, so that's very... their jam. They're, they've done an excellent job on on Snapchat. And we've done some stuff, but I think we're our our crowning glory at this point is probably Instagram. And they they have they're they're ahead of us. I think they were ahead of us by like a year or two on Instagram. They've done really cool stuff. So that's I'm not surprised at all to hear that she's been on this podcast because she's great. Yeah. All right. So if we look into the crystal ball, what do you think is up next uh, for employer brand? Well, no surprise here. How do we leverage automation? I'm going to avoid saying AI, although I just said it, but Mm -hmm. it's really how do we incorporate automation into the process to help not just our candidates, but our recruiters. Let's be candid. A company the size of a Johnson & Johnson or Cisco or AT&T or Dell, we just get like a literally over a million applicants a year. Are we going to staff our teams to look at and call a million applicants a year? That's just not that's not feasible. That's not reasonable. I don't know any company that's doing that. But how do we still manage to automate processes so it's more manageable for recruiters? And so candidates feel like, okay, I at least know where I stand in this process. I, I don't think at this point that I'm a fit for this role, but they're going to filter me to their candidate care team and they're going to consider me for these other roles. It, it's just getting rid of the black hole, which still exi- exists in pockets with certain companies, is um, something that a lot of companies are still struggling with. I know that feels like a three-year-old conversation or a 10-year-old conversation, but really it hasn't been solved yet. So we're, that's what I think is, and using automation is probably going to be the smartest, best way to do it. Yeah, great. Okay. And you are one of the speakers at the upcoming uh, Employer Brand Strategies Conference in San Diego, end of May. Can you yes. give us uh, a taster of uh, what you'll be talking about? I'm going to talk about content just because, as I mentioned, that's something that I feel pretty comfortable with, um, how you create content to attract very specific audiences Mm -hmm. in particular. So um, those that are still on campus versus women who are maybe coming back to work. So that's actually a big focus area for us at Dell going further into 2018. And we, we want to reboot women's careers, right? And we have a lot of super great stories internally. I actually have a person on my team that took a break for seven or eight years to raise her kids. And she's back at Dell. She'd been at Dell years ago. Um, So that's, that's really exciting. How can we um, humanize the story even more, but to really focus on specific audiences or people that we're trying to attract Um, a lot more neurodiversity uh, conversations. So I'll probably touch on that. This month is autism awareness month. um, If you're not uh, uh, aware of that. And um, so we've been talking about some cool stories within our organization. There's opportunity to grow that. But so I'm going to be talking about content. It'll be fun. Lots of pictures. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Right. So uh, Jennifer, where can our listeners learn more about uh, Dell's employer brand, uh, your work, and uh, can they connect with yourself on social media somewhere? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter. So I'm at Jen Newbell. So definitely um, reach out to me there. That's Jen with one N. 
Um, and I respond to direct messages. And, you know, if I see you following me, I'll likely try to follow you back. Um, and as well as LinkedIn. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm open to people connecting or reaching out to me there. Um, my team, of course, is on all those social properties as mentioned. I would tell people if you want to know what it's really like inside Dell, follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's our life at Dell account because the majority of content there is employee generated and it just show and it's all over the world. So this is not a US corporate headquarter, you know, social account. These are people in India and Denmark and Brazil. And it's it's actually fun for me day over day to be like, what's been posted today? You know? Um, and sometimes I see people I recognize and sometimes I, I get familiar with a whole new set of faces. So I would definitely um, say those places. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. All right. I hope that was useful. Everything Jennifer and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which you'll be able to find at employerbrandingpodcast.com. And if you happen to be in San Diego next week, you'll see Jennifer and other brand leaders, employer brand leaders, I should say, innovators, rebels. They're all gathering including uh, us here at Link Humans at the Employer Branding Strategies Conference. So do let us know if you're going to be there. I'd love to meet up for a coffee and uh, put a face to a name. And if you're listening to this in six months time, don't fear. This conference happens every year. So just check out employerbrandingstrategies.com. Right. And if you want to stay up to date on all things employer brand, such as this event, uh, this podcast, articles, research, other things, infographics, perhaps, go to linkhumans.com and sign up to our newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter, so it won't uh, overflow your inbox, hopefully. Just scroll down and you'll see the sign up form on the page. Now, who loves a good bottle of bubbly? Perhaps to go with strawberries and cream in the spring sunshine? Yeah. I'm not talking the Californian or the Russian stuff. You know I don't approve of that. Champagne with a uh, lowercase c. No, I'm talking about the real deal, the overpriced French bottles of champagne with a capital C. So do me a favor, write an honest review in Apple Podcasts and you're in the draw to win a bottle of champagne being sent to your office. So this applies to whether you're in Norway, Nepal or Nicaragua. So we ship globally. So all we ask is uh, an honest review in the podcast app on iOS and you'll be in the draw. Thank you so much in advance for leaving a review. Now, finally, when I speak to employer brand leaders, one thing strikes me every time. Yeah, everyone is challenged with measuring their work. Thing is, metrics vary from company to company, making it incredibly hard to benchmark your progress against talent competitors. And this is, of course, why we developed the Employer Brand Index. Yep, it's there to help practitioners like yourself to understand your company's reputation as an employer, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it gives you a quantitative and qualitative understanding of candidates, employees, and alumni think presented in an easily understandable and actionable report. And of course, you get a final score as well, which you can track over time. Happy to discuss and show you a sample report. Just get in touch at jorgen at linkhumans.com. That's my email address. Or go on to employerbrandindex.co, employerbrandindex.co. And all the links will, of course, go into the show notes. 
Now, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Look forward to catching up next time. And my final word of the day is, hey What do you call it when Batman skips church? No idea. Christian Bale.